What up, what up, what up? My name is Wack Ops. How you doing? Welcome to Hardcore Casual, episode 12. Man, we made it this far. I'm so excited. Uh, we're going to do things a little different this week, y'all. We're taking it nice and easy this week. It's going to be a bit of a condensed episode. Going to be a little bit shorter than most. Unfortunately, we are not going to be doing any platform wars this week, mostly because it's all about PlayStation and no trigger warning this week because I think we all could use a break. I think that the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, we've definitely had a, a long summer between the rumors and the speculation and all the back and forth we've had to do with uh, miscommunication with these companies and, quite frankly, bad behavior in the space. I, I think we all could just take a nice deep breath and be happy about all this wonderful games content that we got introduced to this week. I also wanted to reintroduce our five minutes of sports. I'm actually going to be reintroducing it as our five minutes of football because I don't want to front to you guys. That's my main sport of choice. And I'm going to make sure I take a little bit of time every week to talk about my San Francisco 49ers. And because I record on Thursday nights, I'll make a habit of discussing the Thursday night football game for all my sports fans out there. So you can feel free to tune in and get your little dose in case you miss the game the night before. Now, without further ado, we're going to get in our headliners. Our headliners is where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment, and I made sure I cleared everything out, and we're going to jump straight into the only thing we want to talk about this week, and that is the PlayStation Showcase that we got today. Now, I picked out five titles that I personally was most excited about. I am going to mention, quickly mention a couple of titles that were also showed off. Now, they showed off teen, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. That's coming out March 25th, 2022. They announced that they are remaking a full remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. No release date as of yet. They also started showing off GTA for next-gen consoles. That's going to be coming out March 2022. Ghostwire Tokyo, we finally got a release window, and that's going to be spring of 2022. They showed off some more details around Guardians of the Galaxy. That's coming October 26th. Then we got some more gameplay footage of Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt, and that's coming out at some point this year. Uncharted Legacy of Thieves Remastered for PC and PS5 is coming out early next year, 2022. And Gran Turismo 7, that is coming out March 2022. So, we finally got some release windows, no hard dates. I think Sony is smart to try and get the month right, rather than try and give too big of a window, like a quarter. Spring 2022 for Ghostwire Tokyo comes to mind. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that that is the title that is being published by an Xbox studio. Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about these five titles that I personally was most excited about. Now, first, they showed off Forspoken. Forspoken is an action-adventure, third-person fantasy game with a female person of color as a protagonist. It seems like it has a lot of... Uh, maybe not fourth wall breaking, but it seems like a girl coming from a modern time going into another dimension, a Middle Earth-like area, and she regains some kind of superpowers through this artifact that she finds. 
that is pretty much what I can retain from the trailer. What I can say is that the gameplay looks awesome. I cannot wait to see this. And for all the games that I am seeing kind of in this style, there's a particular art style that's becoming popularized with these next-gen titles. I definitely am looking at this one the most, mostly because I like that it is a PlayStation uh, first-party game. They make great titles every time it's a PlayStation exclusive, for the most part. I'm very excited for it. And a AAA action-adventure title in the fantasy realm with a person of color rarely happens, man. I'm not going to lie. I don't see a lot of fantasy games that include people of color. And quite frankly, tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I don't think I saw a man in that trailer, which I thought was uh, something I I noticed kind of after I watched the trailer three or four times. I was like, huh. The villain is is a, a woman, or seemingly from what from what we can tell, and and all the other side characters. I was I was very excited to see maybe a action game that just shows women playing all the different roles rather than pigeonholing women into one role or another. So either way, I'm excited. I want more information on the story. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably gonna buy this as much for the story as as I do for the gameplay, but. Spring 2022, Forspoken. Keep an eye out for it. Next, we have Alan Wake. Alan Wake is officially getting a remaster. Now, this was actually announced earlier in the week by Remedy themselves. This is coming to us October 5th. This is an all-time great from the 360 generation. I love seeing games from my era, which I would say is the 360 generation, the Game Boy, SP early days of the DS kind of generation. I love seeing these games getting remastered and brought into a new generation to get them to appreciate uh, different aesthetics, different mechanics, different storytelling devices within games and see kind of how we got to where we are today. I think that's important in all media, quite frankly. I think you should watch movies that came out before you were born and listen to music that came out before you were born or before you became aware of the the space and cared about it at all. So I'm excited for this one. I actually have never played Alan Wake myself, but I know that it is a, a cult classic, and I know I'm definitely going to be trying it out on October 5th. Now, let's get in to the real nitty-gritty. I know what you guys came here for. There were three titles that I know got everyone excited. First... We got an Insomniac developed title that everybody was waiting on. And I'll be honest, I did not expect this. I didn't expect this because they've already given us two games in the last calendar year that, quite frankly, got rave reviews. Very excited to hear that Insomniac has announced Spider-Man 2 is coming in 2023. In the trailer, we saw not only Peter Parker, but also Miles Morales. And I will leave one last character out there for you to go see. If you haven't already seen it on the internet or have it spoiled for you, please just go watch the trailer immediately right now because this probably is the game I'm most excited for, period, period. Maybe Breath of the Wild, maybe? You know? This is probably the number one hype that I'm going to feel for a long time until we get 
another game that I'm about to talk about in a minute. But we actually didn't get one, but two games from Insomniac. The second one came completely out of the blue, but totally makes sense. And we're going to get a Wolverine title. I don't know what it looks like. We only got a cinematic. It was very simple. Um, It was a reveal trailer. But man, if they can do with Wolverine what they did with Spider-Man, watch out. Watch out. I think Insomniac might have the fast track to getting keys to that coveted Marvel gaming space because how many companies have we seen totally bungle Marvel property in games or just make it a cash grab or just not be able to work creatively within the confines that Marvel and Disney want for you to make a game. And finally, we're seeing that with the uh, Four Axis guys over there with Marvel's Midnight Suns. They're actually starting to diversify and experiment. But when we want a AAA Marvel superhero title, I think we know where to go. And I think that's Insomniac. I can't wait. If they can if they can hit on both of these, ooh, who else might we get? Can we get a Fantastic Four game? Can we get, like, yo, I'm so excited. I, I, I don't even want to dream. I don't even want to dream. I just want them to continue putting out amazing work. I don't know what's going on over there, but I hope and pray that everybody can be patient because this development cycle they got over there, not to be a downer, but I doubt they're they're not crunching. How are they how are they gonna give us all these games? Wolverine does not have a release date, but I don't know how they made Ratchet and Clank, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2 all in the span of two years. That sounds insane to me. That sounds insane to me. Or three years, fine. Three years. Sounds crazy. Anyway, moving on, let's get into the star of the show, and that was god of war ragnarok we finally got gameplay we finally got a title it is actually going to be called god of war ragnarok it is coming out next year and i can't be more excited man this was the most beautiful game that i saw at their entire presentation probably this year dude like straight up this was the best looking uh, near photo realism like it is scary how good of detail they fit into this I can't wait to see where they go with the story. They revealed that Thor and Odin and the Norse uh, God of War is going to be in it. I'm very very excited to see where they go with the lore. I'm very excited to see how they follow up the masterpiece that was God of War 2018. And I know a lot of people, this is probably their most anticipated game of the generation so far that we know of. This is it. And and you know what? After watching this entire presentation, I'm so impressed with what Sony has done. They they their strategy was this. We're gonna put out our console. It's gonna sell like hotcakes, supply shortage, all that, right? But we're gonna punt on the holiday season. They they don't really get involved with the holiday season heavy handed like other companies do anyway, but we're starting to see where Sony is looking to, and they're looking two and three years ahead. Let's see if the Game Pass strategy works over there for Xbox, and if 
the nostalgia route <laughs> or whatever Nintendo does, quite frankly. Nintendo does what Nintendo does. But I, I suddenly, after today, I have a lot more confidence in what Sony is doing over there. And I'm not a PS5 owner. I can't find a PS5. But I'm not a PS5 owner. I would imagine this gives you a great sigh of relief, even if you are disappointed about the lineup as it stands right now, because you still have some exclusives that should tie you over, and third parties are amazing anyway. So you're going to have plenty of games to play until you get into these wonderful titles that I, I'm just, I don't know, man. Sony makes great games. It's hard. It's hard for me to uh, knock them at all. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, Game Pass is the greatest deal in gaming or the best deal in gaming, right? Blah, blah, blah. But, man, if you want a filet mignon, you want a five-course meal, you want the best thing they got in the house, it it might be from Sony, uh, at least with what they showed us today. Because I don't think Halo can hold a candle to all these great games that they just showed off. So let's hope that Bethesda has been eating their Wheaties over there at Xbox. But that's enough of that. We're going to go ahead and actually move on into our Streets Are Talking segment now. For those of you that are unfamiliar, our Streets Are Talking segment is where we talk about rumors, gossip, and controversy. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've been really beating y'all up with it. So I'm going to wind it back we only got three stories today and one of which i'm sure you've already heard of so let's go ahead and start first with kotaku i know kotaku has done it again so they went ahead and wrote an article this week that was critical of other publications reviews and taking quotes out of context the article was titled if you're going to preview Far Cry 6, at least do it right. Now, why did Kotaku name this article this? Listen, there's been a lot of discourse around Far Cry 6. I think a lot of people know that in the gaming space. Uh, for those of, that, of you that are unfamiliar, there's been a lot of discourse because they take a heavy influence from Cuba. They're currently going through a very uh, distressful political situation. The people of Cuba need help not a comment on their political situation because quite frankly i'm not educated enough or well read enough on the situation to give you an opinion here or there but i know that there are a lot of people who are more familiar with the situation latin americans and cuban americans who are kind of paying attention to far cry 6 and definitely 100 percent are pointing these things out so when Kotaku went ahead and said things along the lines of, you know, no one's talking about this, and everybody's just blindly praising this game, first of all, a lot of the people they were writing about and quoting came out and directly disputed their claims. And, you know, they ignored the Latin community's reporting on Far Cry 6. This is, that, that was the biggest mistake that they made, was not understanding that the Latin community actually did report on Far Cry 6. If you go ahead and listen to Gamertag Radio from last week, they did an interview and they talked to a Latina content creator who actually does work in journalism and she came on the show to talk about this issue and she she basically addressed this problem as 
when you ignore the fact that people of color who these issues directly affect are reporting on this stuff and act as if they don't exist, that's just as bad as people ignoring the issue itself. If you're ignoring the issue and you're ignoring the people, it's, it's both bad. So Kotaku, again, puts its foot in its mouth. And to be fair, like they were not invited to the Ubisoft event, I think for a reason. They've been reporting on Ubisoft issues over there at that company. We're not getting into that. But also, dude, they're, they rub people the wrong way and they burn a lot of bridges and they say things that are a step too far. They cross certain lines that I think a lot of people respect professionalism. And if you're either you're either going to be the professional journalism route or you're going to be content creator, you know, not getting interviews. You know what I mean? But either way, they weren't invited to the event. They definitely kind of said the quiet part loud in, in a lot of this article. But my biggest beef with Kotaku is that they they do a disservice to their wonderful reporting when serious things come up. When we talk about, you know, all the bad behavior that a lot of these companies are doing, um, whether it be how they treat their employees or crunch or X, Y, Z, they do great work. I, I use them as a source when we're doing serious work just as much as I, I quote gamesindustry.biz or somebody who is not giving you a top 10 list. So I wish they would wind it back and really just get their editorial room to buckle down on what they let fly over there only because I want to be able to continue taking their, their serious reporting seriously but eventually people are going to get tired of headlines like this and they're going to stop getting access to devs, to publications, to uh, Ubisoft events for Far Cry 6. So that's enough of Kotaku. I'm sure they'll do it again next week. Let's go ahead and jump into what Toshiba has said about the chip shortage and how long it's going to last. Now, this is me reading from IGN. Quote, In a new report from Bloomberg, the publication writes that Toshiba Corporation, one of the major companies that creates power-regulating chips found in graphics cards, gaming consoles, and more, says the chip shortage will likely continue through the end of 2022. I am so sorry to hear that, y'all. This might last all the way till 2023. So, if you're trying to buy an Xbox, PS5, if you're trying to buy a new graphics card, a computer... Anything like that, a television, a refrigerator, there are shortages all over the place. So if I were you, I would stay diligent, especially if you're trying to get an Xbox or a PS5 or any of the new consoles or graphics cards that drop. I definitely would suggest you check out InventoryBot on Twitter and Wario64 on Twitter. Put on your alerts and try and snag you one before these resellers use their bots to go scoop them all up. If we're still in this same position a year from now, I would hope that people would get tired of it enough not to pay resellers, but to set alerts on their phone and be quick on the draw. It'll be frustrating. I'm I'm frustrated by it. I'm currently still looking for one, but be patient. And I hope that the companies that are making these consoles, Sony and Microsoft, are paying attention and Nintendo and NVIDIA and AMD and whoever else, you know what I mean? I really hope the business community can kind of clean up this mess before the government steps in 
and does something heavy-handed. Now, our last story in the Streets Are Talking segment was the biggest story outside of all the good news for Sony. The Horizon Forbidden West upgrade path discourse this week was insane. So, originally, let's go back to the beginning. Originally, PS4 owners were given no upgrade path to PS5. When they announced a week ago, uh, and they showed off their Horizon Forbidden West trailer, there was no upgrade path to PS5. You had to purchase the digital deluxe version for $80, or another version of more, more value, or you had to purchase the game twice. So if I have a PS4, I either spend $80 straight up, or I have to buy this $60 game and then a $70 game. And mind you, there's no discs in the special editions. The $80 version doesn't come with a disc. The $200 version, the $100 version, none of these come with discs. So sorry to all of you guys who want to keep everything on the console. Now, what made everybody really upset was that last year, Jim Ryan actually came out and said that there would be a free upgrade path from PS5. Now, this comes to us from Polygon. Quote, last year, Ryan indicated in an interview with the Washington Post that we have an upgrade path for PS4 users to get the PS5 versions for free. According to Ryan's statement on the PlayStation blog, that offer was to be limited to cross-generation launch titles appearing on PlayStation 5. So it was a bit of a flip-flop. He said he was going to give it away for free. Then he charges an extra 20 bucks, doesn't sell the upgrade separately. And then finally, after Twitter exploded and all the journalists were mad and basically calling Sony out for being unclear, being misleading, straight up lying, they finally reversed the decision and Horizon Forbidden West will now be a free upgrade for PS4 players upgrading to ps5 now future upgrade costs will be 20 dollars. so if you buy a ps4 version you can upgrade separately just for the straight 20 dollars to a playstation 5 version you will not be forced into buying an 80 dollars version being unsure if you're going to end up getting that playstation 5 the reason it's it is so puts such a bad taste in our mouth is because it's so hard to find a PlayStation 5 to begin with. Why are you trying to stick me for this $20 when I can't even find your console? I want to have faith that I'll find one, but I don't know. So you want me to just give you my $20 in good faith, Sony? <laughs> it's bad faith pricing. That's what it is. And they're bleeding their customers. And I think that's weak. I think it's weak that they tried that uh, on us. You know what I mean? I think we're smarter than that. But moving on, let's go ahead and jump into our next segment, and that is The Real, where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. Now, we actually have quite a bit to, to get to this week, but let's go ahead and start and talk about that Rick and Morty finale. If you missed it, it was a two-episode drop for the finale, and we finally got Rick's backstory. That is all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get into spoilers on this one because I think if you've been invested in Rick and Morty for a long time, and if you haven't seen it, hey, more power to you. I understand. This is one of the few things that I, I'm not going to just 
jump out there and spoil for you because I think people have been watching this thing for what? How long has this been on the air? Like five, six years now? And we've been wondering all these different answers to all these questions, and they finally did it, both on the Rick side and one little hint, the evil Morty side. So I hope you don't get it spoiled for you, but definitely check it out. If you're asking me if I enjoyed it, I definitely did. And I'm looking forward to where they take the series from here. It's nice to have something that is a bit of a clean slate, you know, without, I mean, it's not a clean slate. There's still plenty of history there, but it is a bit of a soft reset. And I do like to see if they can be more episodic. Uh, Next, we got the Matrix Resurrections trailer today as well. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what's going on in this trailer. Granted, I barely know what's going on in the first, second, or third movie. I enjoyed them immensely. There are people on YouTube who can explain to me how it makes sense or why it's a good movie. It doesn't matter. I think this is going to be in a different vibe completely than the original trilogy. Honestly, when I saw the trailer, it looked like a Christopher Nolan joint, and that's not not a knock. I like Christopher Nolan as a director, but I'm wondering what can they do to this story to make me get more invested than I was when it originally came out. And I, I just, I think the world was just such a different place, and we were in such a different place then. And I think the idea of The Matrix now the concept behind the movie now is so normalized, I want to say, in a certain way that it, it it's almost lost some of its nuance. So I hope that this can end up being a little bit more philosophical and a little less John Wick. But if it ends up just being like a weird meta-ass John Wick, I'm cool with that too. I'm still going to watch it. So I can't wait to see kind of more information behind the story. You know what I mean? But once we get some more information on that, I'm sure I'm going to be invested because it seems like Keanu can do no wrong. But yes, Keanu Reeves, Matrix Resurrections, go check out the trailer. And we should be getting that pretty soon. I think this Christmas. Next, we have, and this was announced last week. I'm a little late on this news, but... We have DC Fandom coming up on October 16th. I'm very excited for this because I, as much as I talk about the MCU, the reason I do is because they are accessible. Now, DC is actually my favorite. I love, I love Detective Comics. They're great. So, DC Fandom coming up October 16th. They're going to be showing off things like Matt Reeves' Batman, Previews to the Flash movie, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, Video Game, Gotham Knights, and Black Adam, and more. I'm very excited for all of those things. I can't wait to see Black Adam. I can't wait to see the just uh, the Suicide Squad video game. Uh, I need more information on Matt Reeves' Batman every day. I I need more. What Whatever Zack Snyder did with the Snyder Cut, where he was just dropping random info drops and costumes like for a month leading up to the release, I need Matt Reeves to do that like a year out from the Batman. They've been in production for hella long. There's been COVIDs and injuries. I'm, I'm sick of it. I just want to see this dark Batman story finally done right. 
I love Christopher Nolan's trilogy, by the way. That's no knock. I just, I want to see something real visceral. Stop giving me origin stories and give me the nitty gritty Batman. And not old man Batman, not expert Batman. I mean, he's still learning how to get down. Give me those villain origin stories. That's what we really want to see. That's way more interesting. And I think DC, honestly, outside of the cinematic universe, I think they have really good stuff. If you go watch their animated uh, movies based, like they're like almost direct adaptations from the comics. They're great. They're great. They're almost page for page what was in the comic book and they don't pull no punches. It's all super visceral, just like the comic books are. And they're not cleaned up and all Disneyfied. No offense. Speaking of Disney, we are going to get into a little bit of controversial news, but I'll move past it quick. The Russo brothers deal is in jeopardy due to the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit with Disney. Now, apparently the Russo brothers, if you're not familiar, they were the directors of Endgame and other huge blockbuster titles for the MCU. And they are currently in in talks to do more films with uh, Marvel and Disney. Apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, these negotiations have, quote, hit an impasse. Now, I'm going to read you a quote directly from the Wall Street Journal. Quote, The Johansson dispute left them unsure how their next movie would be distributed and how they would be paid, according to people familiar with the matter. The Wall Street Journal reported, adding that brother, the brothers declined to comment on the report. Now, we don't have comment from the Russo brothers yet. I understand that. But this comes alongside another Wall Street Journal report saying that Scarlett Johansson is suing for $100 million. So, like I said in weeks past, this story is not going away. I'm just going to keep bringing it up here and there because I think it's important for people to understand how things get to the screen in a different shape than than we, we left them in. So let's say Marvel, the MCU changes over the next couple of years, their contracts change. We, we get more characters being recast and thing like that, things like that. It's, it's the behind the scenes relationships that keep this train moving. The reason we got four Avengers movies is because all these people decided they want to have cohesion and get money. Don't get me wrong. I understand people are after the bag, but that's neither here nor there. Let's keep going with some Marvel news and jump into the what if episodes. I missed it last week because we cut the real segment, but both of these last two episodes were fire. I've been waiting for some real dark MCU energy and they gave it to me. I'm just mad it had to be animated because I want to see somebody like really act. But that's, you know, whatever. First, we got Doctor Strange, Dark Doctor Strange, who fully like loses his his mind behind uh, losing his lady. I think that was a dope concept. Very relatable. I've seen this trope played out in other media before, in other stories before. But I think Doctor Strange, that going, that happening specifically to Doctor Strange with this immense power and specifically like mythic power, I thought that was like really fun to watch. I think you could have easily done this same story with like an Iron Man and it would have been like so boring. You know what I mean? Because like, 
I don't care what suit you build when when you lose, you know, Pepper Potts. But Doctor Strange, what lengths he'll go to just sounds so unimaginable and creative that it was really fun to see what the animators got to do with this story. A lot of just fun animation. I honestly, if you're a fan of animation, I think the Dark Doctor Strange episode is right up your alley. Now, the Zombie Avengers episode, that was really awesome from a director standpoint because I think they hit the zombie movie beats really well. It felt like I was watching a zombie flick, but in 30 minutes. And I was impressed with I guess the story that they chose to tell, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but that was something that I was kind of keeping in the back of my mind. Let's just say at the start of the film or the start of the episode with the zombie Avengers, they start right off the bat with like zombie Avengers. And then, you know, as they're progressing through the episode, you're like, all right, but what about like these other Avengers though, that are like crazy, crazy powerful. And then by the end of the episode, they start letting you know how they ended up and what that looks like. So I'm going to leave it there. Definitely keep up with the What If series. It's slowly creeping up. It's already past Captain and the Winter Soldier for me because that wasn't my favorite favorite. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. It might start creeping up on WandaVision soon if they start hitting me with some really good stories on the back end and see what that finale ends up turning into. You know what I mean? Because I feel like this hasn't really given me that good theory crafting side of the MCU quite yet. Okay, now let's go ahead and jump into Shang-Chi. I actually got to go see it over the last weekend and I'm very excited. I'm going to be doing a spoiler-free review, quick review. I'm not actually I'm not a reviewer, but I just wanted to give you guys a couple of things about my feelings about the film because I feel like a lot of people undercut the movie and thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually ended up turning out. So, let's start with the cast and the characters. I gave it an 8 out of 10, and this is mostly because of one thing I thought the cast and characters were dope I thought the acting was dope and I thought that everybody doing or a lot of the cast doing their own stunts was really cool I thought the fact that they you know what I mean I they told a story and acted a story that felt natural you know what I mean rather than doing something that was so obtuse or trying to fit into a particular box a Disney box it didn't fit it wasn't just you have to do an MCU movie. It felt like they tried to do a martial arts movie and a movie about Chinese culture at the same time rather than just one thing, which I thought that that was really cool. My biggest knock against the cast and the characters is I think they did not give enough screen time to specific women in the film. And I thought that some of the women who got a lot of screen time were not the strongest characters. I think they could have written the character better. Um, I think that the acting, you know, you do with what you have, but I still think that the acting could have been stronger from two of the female leads. And I think that some of the other female characters in the film who were very strong, whose stories, quite frankly, I was more interested in, could have been in the film more. But hopefully that can be something that we get in a Shang-Chi 
Um, next, we are going to get into the settings, the stunts, and the visual effects. This is something that I gave a 9 out of 10. Now, the reason it's not a 10 out of 10 is because I needed more stunts. I needed more hand-to-hand fighting. I needed more action. And I, that is, to me, a perfect 9 out of 10. When you just don't give me enough, but everything was good, that's when I know it, it, it's close to perfect. Because the my favorite thing was easily the setting between the costumes and the and the environment. Like it was beautiful. There were so many parts in the movie where I was like, wow, like I took a deep breath. Like I was I was impressed with really the details of the environment around the characters while they were acting and while action was going on. Because it wasn't as if things were just a backdrop. A lot of that was set design. I think the visual effects were cool. I think they were fairly tasteful given how like CGI they can get in the MCU. And like I said, I just needed more stunts. I needed more hand-to-hand. I needed more people getting beat up. I needed that. That, that to me, is what a martial arts movie should be. Shang-Chi is known as the best hand-to-hand fighter in the, in the comics, I guess, right, in, in Marvel. So like I would imagine... He'll be whooping a lot of ass in his own <laughs> standalone movie. But I get it. It's Disney. I will say the story and the plot were 10 out of 10. The story and the plot were so good because it was all it was all about. I won't give it away. I won't give it away. But that was a 10 out of 10 for me personally. So definitely go check it out on a highlight. Just a, a high note for the opening weekend. They made one hundred and twenty seven point six million dollars globally that is the second largest weekend opening only to the aforementioned black widow film so i would definitely suggest you go out and check this movie i think this is a great opening to phase what four five ten whatever phase we're in in the mcu and i'm excited to see them open up with diversity instead of have it be an afterthought and like, dude, straight up, this is probably in my top 10 MCU movies already anyway, just because it is so different than all the other MCU movies. Definitely go check it out. Definitely go support this movie. Definitely support this film if you want to see more films like it from these big budget movie studios. And shout out to uh, Simi Lu, Like, you did your thing, man. I, I'm, I'm really happy with the job that Simi Lu did as Shang-Chi. Now, let's go ahead and jump into our newest segment. Well, new for some of you guys. If you've been here since the beginning, it's not new to you. That is our five minutes of sports. It is going to be called, moving forward, our five minutes of football. So if you guys want to start a clock at home, you can time me. I'm rarely on time. I usually talk over, but I'm going to try and do this quick. So go ahead and start the clock now. The NFL opening night happened this week, just a few hours ago, and we had Dallas at Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay ended up pulling it out in the last minute, 31-29. to Tom Brady did it again. You know what it looked like. It's the same story you've heard a thousand times. Tom Brady drove them down the field to field goal range in the last minute of the game, and Ryan Suckup kicked the game-winning field goal. Now, big notable things about this game. One, 
Chris Godwin looked like a real number one out there in Tampa Bay. Good to see it. Two, Gronk looked amazing. He went out there. I believe he had over 100 yards and, and two touchdowns. I know he had two touchdowns. That was crazy. It's good to see the big guy back. I hope he can stay healthy. Um, uh, Now, on the Dallas side, where was Zeke? That is my main question with them. Like, Zeke barely touched the ball. I didn't check how many carries he had, but he did not touch the ball. He he had an abysmal, abysmal numbers. I think maybe he had 10 carries. That's crazy for how much money y'all paid him last year, two years ago, whatever. Honestly, I think for the Cowboys offense, the offense needs to run through Zeke, especially with how much money is on that O-line as well. Dak Prescott threw 58 times in this game. He had a great stat line. He threw for over 400 yards. I believe he had three touchdowns. But throwing 58 times coming off of shoulder injuries and ankle injuries, it's very, to me, reckless from the coaching staff. And then on top of that, Zerline, their kicker, missed three kicks tonight. Two field goals, one of which was from 60. I will give him that. And an extra point. And some of the kicks that he did make were really, really close. So definitely keep an eye on Zerline. He was a, I believe, like a top five kicker not too long ago, just four or five years ago. And now it looks like he might be looking for a new home. So who knows? We'll see if he keeps his job next week. But Tom Brady pulls out the win, and Dallas loses a football game. As a Niner fan, it warms my heart. Speaking of the 49ers, let's go ahead and jump into a season preview. Now, for those of you that don't know, who are new to the program or don't know me personally, I am a lifelong 49er fan. Now, I want to go ahead and preview the season because I think this is one of the most interesting seasons we've had in a long time. 2020 was a hellscape. We had the most injuries, period. We had the most people put on IR ever since they kept track. So let's just keep that in mind. Everybody just dust off last season and let it go. We got a high draft pick because of it. And we ended up getting a young man who I believe, as one of my predictions for the season, we're going to see be the starter coming out of the week six bye week, Trey Lance. Now, I know a lot of you guys don't know a lot about Trey Lance, and neither do I, but all I need to know is that we did not get Mac Jones, and I couldn't be happier about it. I'm glad to see we have a Brown quarterback again, and I hope that, if nothing else, this really puts a fire under Jimmy Garoppolo's ass. Now, second... For my predictions this season, I want to talk about the fact that I believe that Nick Bosa, George Kittle, and other playmakers will have a mostly healthy season. I really want to remind my Niner fans out there, it's all good. Relax. Last season was a complete abnormality. The likelihood of things like that happening again is slim to none. So take a deep breath and know that it's likely that we're going to get Nick Bosa, George Kittle, we're going to get Brandon Ayuk, we're going to get maybe, maybe Raheem Mostert, we're going to get Fred Warner for more than 12 games this season. 
which I think after last season is a, a godsend. I, I, I hope that I'm right about this one, and I'm sure you do too. Next, I believe that the 49ers will have a 1,000-yard rusher. Now, why is this even any kind of prediction? Is because we have 10 running backs back there, and it seems like it seems like some of you Niner fans out there, you guys have a lot of faith in this rookie named Trey Sermon, but you must have forgotten about Raheem Mostert because he has put the team on his back the last two years. He has been an incredible rusher, and I think he actually is my candidate to get the 1,000 yards, but if not him, then I definitely think that somebody out of that backfield is going to be tired of juggling and starting one game and starting another game and really want to fight for the starting job and force Kyle Shanahan's hand in naming a RB1 for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, as far as our final record, I think we're actually going to end 11-6 and on the final. Now, that is a cusp number. I do think it is likely we are going to make the wild card but it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't, given our QB situation right now. I think the quarterback situation in San Francisco, I, I hate to fall back on this old trope, but if you got two quarterbacks, you got none. So until we put Trey Lance in or until we make a concerted effort not to put Trey Lance in, and that is completely dependent on Jimmy Garoppolo's play, I think that we are going to be in a world of hurt going back and forth every week wondering, should we put him in or should we leave him out? So come on back and tune in for five minutes of football next week for all my sports fans. And for the rest of you, don't forget to holla at me. Come and join us and be a part of a growing community. Don't forget to support the show, Uh, whether you're into gaming, whether you're into sports, whether you're into movies, whatever you're into, we could all come together and hang out. You can hit me at wackops at gmail. That's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Twitter at wackops Again, that's W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. If you're showing love, I need the sub. If you're trying to holla, I need the follow. If you enjoy the content, don't forget to comment. And if you like what we do, download, share, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else you get podcasts. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But you know I love to leave you with the shout-out of the week. That is where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. And this week... It goes to Hello Games. It has been five years since No Man's Sky has gotten released, and it has finally gotten a mostly positive rating on Steam. Every expansion and update for this game has been free, and they have worked hard as hell to win a fan base the hard way. Their game came out empty, broken, buggy mess, and they ended up delivering what is considered to be one of the strongest, most expansive, most fun, creative, lose-yourself-in-the-world games available to us now. I love Hello Games for what they've done. They have become an absolute staple and an example for every company of how to do right by their customer. And quite frankly, 
If you haven't given them your money already, you should go ahead and do that because they will have earned it. Now, with that, I love you all. Thank you for coming. We will be back next week with our normal show. But until then, I am Wack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun, be cool, and stay dangerous.